thank you for choosing to listen to Mummy on a Break podcast. I am Maria Newman, otherwise known as Mummy on a Break. My journey to becoming Mummy on a Break started back in 2016. That was the year I took voluntary redundancy whilst on maternity leave with my second baby and without really having a plan. The only thing I knew at that moment was that I needed to change my job. And if I didn't seize the day and take my chance, I'd be in the same job doing the same thing up until the time I retired. The thought of that scared me. So long story short, I embarked on my journey of being mummy on a break, which actually started with my decision to start my own business. And by following a very windy road, it led me to create the life I really wanted. I now help women who were like the old me. I help busy working mums who are tired and exhausted take back control and create the life they really want. If you want to find out more about how I can help you, then check out my website, mummyonabreak.co.uk and click on work with me. However, for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome to Mummy on a Break podcast. My name is Maria Newman and I am Mummy on a Break. You can find out more about me and Mummy on a Break on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing ordinary people like you and me, who I've met during my life, who I think are inspiring individuals. My guest today is Katie Fitzsilverthorne. We originally met on a Facebook group and then at Freelance Mum, a networking group for mums that is child friendly, and our paths have continued to cross since then. To sum up Katie, she is a business owner, mum and wife who is managing to successfully spin many plates whilst enjoying life. Katie's story is very inspiring and is proof that any challenge can be overcome. She's living with multiple sclerosis. She's very open about this and it definitely isn't stopping her. And she'd say it's helped with her success. Welcome, Katie. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Right, well... I grew up in London um, in the 80s (laughs) and it was, you know, a fairly regular upbringing and then I travelled a lot and moved a lot and never really been in one place for very long and skipped till I was about 23, I think, yeah, and I got really ill with MS but obviously I didn't know at the time that I had MS and I got very sick and I was bed bound for about nearly four months on and off kind of it's a funny way the illness runs is a bit strange so it's very comes and goes quite a lot but over that four month period I was very ill and I didn't have a diagnosis I didn't know what was wrong with me and then eventually I came out of it and um, got a diagnosis several months after that and then I decided to live life (laughs) crikey yeah that's, I mean, that's it. So, because I had been so ill, and before then, everything was very normal. You know, like yeah. life was very normal, and I, I'd been travelling a bit, but not a, not an enormous amount. I went to Australia and came back, and the only thing I wanted to do at that time was travel. So, after I was diagnosed, I decided I'd better travel 
before because you don't really know with MS you don't really know what the future holds so Mm -hmm. you may find that I mean in my case it's actually been pretty good Mm -hmm. but uh, we can talk about how and why and the potential you know why that's why that might have happened but it's a very unstable condition so you don't really know what each day is going to be like and is it very different for each person as well yeah there's people have similarities that run through it you know sort of fatigue can be quite is Mm. you know I mean lots of people suffer fatigue but there's all sorts of different things and pretty much anything you can ever possibly imagine can be a symptom of MS because it's a neurological illness Mm -hmm. which means it affects your nerves Mm -hmm. which basically affects anything in your body anything anything (laughs) anything you can think of so um for some people a lot of people suffer fatigue that is you know a number one symptom but obviously pain um paralysis um people can't swallow they can't digest they can't see they can't move their tongues they can't speak um you get something called brain fog where you can't think (laughs) and you know so all sorts of different things your feet you can you can lose feeling or mobility in any part of your body that you could imagine yeah people have incontinence issues i mean everything you could ever possibly imagine basically yes it's possible yes um and everybody's different and like you said because it's the brain Mm. that obviously has control over everything yeah you, do, you, you don't really you don't really know so it makes it quite tricky to diagnose as well because symptoms can um can be um covered as something else you mm-hmm. know there's so there's lots of things you have to go through to get a diagnosis in the first right. place so it can be quite tricky brain scans lumbar punctures all sorts of things oh like goodness. that yeah. so it um it could be a challenge for everybody involved in it and because it's so uncertain mm. uh you live in a state of never quite knowing what tomorrow is going to be mm. if that makes yeah. sense yeah 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 i can't obviously imagine it myself but waking up going right how is today going to pan out what right. is my brain going to tell my body what to do or not what to or do? not what to do is yeah. that yeah and so i think for a lot of people it can be very frustrating um because y- you can you can get in this sort of limbo state where you don't know what is happening tomorrow or even later today. It can change hour by hour. For some people, if you like, I follow quite a few different people on Twitter and mm. Instagram, and they can go from you know sitting. It can be too, like hot weather. That's a perfect example. Actually, hot weather yep. is for most people with MS is a nemesis. Like they hate it. It does something to our bodies that makes us feel. It makes everybody feel slow and sluggish anyway. Yep. It makes people with MS on the whole, yeah. some, not yeah. all, because yeah. some people find cold weather does the same thing. So yes. it's really like we all have different triggers. And that's kind of, that's how I've managed to navigate through life is finding those triggers. But, you know, they find that hot weather can make them feel sluggish and can bring on their neurological pain, which yeah. it can be really like, I mean, you know, some people suffer things that sound, that are quite a light, like labour pain, to be honest, like really painful. Oh it's not goodness. just like, oh my goodness, this is a bit achy. It's <laughs> yes. like, it's agony, you yeah. know, absolute agony. So it just depends. Everybody's different. And I so, suppose to look at you like now, mm-hmm. where I'm assuming you're having a, a good moment, you just, you look, I, I wouldn't be able to tell that you had MS. Well, no, and that's, and that's the very decept- deceptive thing about it. Um, so you look at me now and yes, I am actually pretty good, mm. but actually if you really want to run down, mm. my toes feel a bit strange at the moment. You won't be able to see anything. There's nothing to look at. If you look at my feet, I can say they don't look strange. They don't look strange. They look very nicely manicured. No, but they look, they, but, <laughs> but they, they feel, they feel strange. Yeah. 
Um, so the inside of the inside of my bone in my shin bone, um, currently because of the hot weather, is mm. in pain. So that feels like there's. Well, it varies between. Um, at the worst, it yeah. feels like I'm having a nail shoved up through my heel that yeah. goes up through the bone, yeah. up to up like right up through the marrow of the bone, yeah. and sort of wriggled around inside. That's at its worst state. Right. And that's really painful and that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Two, just a bit irritating. Yeah. So today, it's just a bit irritating. Okay. The left hand side of my body feels heavy compared yeah. to the right hand side of my body. Yeah. So it's it but it's fine. You know, yeah. I can I can balance this out and I can do and I can do what I need to do. I'm probably a little bit more tired than I might be if it wasn't 30 degrees, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm a sort of hiding from, I get sort of do 20 minutes of hot weather and I go, yeah, I came inside now, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not designed for this, <laughs> bring me the air conditioning. <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with you. So yes, I yeah. look fine and that's the very difficult thing mm. about hidden illnesses mm-hmm. is that yes, we look fine, mm. there is nothing to see but of mm. course you don't know what's no. going on inside no, somebody don't. else, it's the same with mental health conditions or anything like that, yeah. there's so many different mm. hidden, hidden illnesses and we don't know what's going on. Mm. Um, but actually, yes, I am fine. But, you know, the point is, it's it's a level of fine. How fine yeah. are you at any given yeah. period of time? Nobody knows. And I suppose, when when was your diagnosis? How long, how long ago? Um, I was 23, so 2003. So a long over time the time, you've learned yeah. to manage yes. yourself. Yeah. And yes. like you said, you know what your triggers are and you know what's good for you and yes. what you should avoid and yes. so on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier that when you got your diagnosis, yeah, that was it. It was like, right, I'm gonna, en- I'm going to enjoy life. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite as easy as that because obviously you have to when you get a diagnosis for a life changing condition mm-hmm. or a sort of a chronic illness, mm-hmm. you go through. It's a bit like going through a series of death um, related things. So when some when you're grieving for somebody or something. So in this case, you grieve for the life that you don't get to live, mm-hmm. how, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you know, and bear in mind, I was really, really ill at the time. So mm. I, you know, now, and this is it now I look so well mm. and I actually am for the most part really, really well, yeah. you know, it's fine. Um, but then I was not really, really well. Yeah. I'd been bed bound for four months and I, at that time I was desensitized down the whole left-hand side of my body. So that means I could walk, mm-hmm. um, so I wasn't paralysed, because obviously if you're paralysed, you, you can't really walk, because mm. you have no feeling at all. Mm. But desensitization is, um, I couldn't feel pain, so if you touched my leg, I couldn't feel it, but I could still move it, so it wasn't yeah. paralysed. So yeah. I still had the ability to move it, I could still move my hands, move my legs, move my feet, but I couldn't feel anything, so you could touch them. So I burnt myself a few times on hot water bottles and things like that at the time, because you can't feel the pain. Yeah. Normally, you'd have a hot water bottle and you can move it away, Yeah. but if you can't feel it, yeah. and you don't move it away, you fall asleep and then you burn. Mm. You're, mm. And I, I have, you know, you get, things like that tend mm. to happen. Um, so my fatigue was so um, extreme that I slept for I slept for 20 hours a day. I mean, literally, I slept all the time. I got up to shower, eat, and go back to bed again. Like, lit, I could do yeah. nothing. It was utterly debilitating. Um, I was um, just... It's just felt, I was just so ill. I'm trying to remember. It's really hard to remember, although I talk about this a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to explain... <clears throat> what it feels like to be 23, as I was, yeah. lying in bed, 
not knowing what's wrong with you. Mm. I probably, I think in retrospect, because I lived on my own then as well, so there was nobody around. So I wasn't living with family. I lived, I bought a house and because I had a job and mm. I was just, you know, houses were affordable then. <laughs> you could buy a house. <laughs> you didn't need you didn't need to sort of like have a double income. You could actually buy a house as a normal person. Um and and so I was sort of living in my house on my own and lying in bed and calling in sick to work every single day mm. and just sort of saying, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't walk. And they'd be like, oh, okay then. You know, because that doesn't sound, but obviously, I was yeah. obviously really ill. Yeah. And the doctors at the time were not even remotely interested, so they turned me away repeatedly and and said, oh, you've just got a trapped nerve in your back. And... I was too ill to be able to really think about how to fix that yeah. lack of care yes. from the medical people, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think looking back now, I probably should have been hospitalised because I truly couldn't look after myself. I was kept alive by my friends who lived close by yeah. who used to bring me food, basically. So I was kept alive and they go, oh my God, you look terrible. I guess I know, <laughs> thank you very much. And, you know, I was kept alive by people yeah. who brought me things, yes. fed me and all the rest of it. Because I lived a long way from my family and, you know, nobody, there was no, they were hours away. So mm. it was, and plus you you have a tendency, I think, to hide how ill you are because you don't really know what is anybody going to do about it, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes. Like what, you know, I was, generally, generally speaking, I was too ill to care. I just needed somebody else to take over and deal with it, if that yeah. makes sense. But I was too ill to deal with it. Yeah. Anyway, thankfully, I eventually started to recover enough that I could fight my corner. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's lucky that I did, but I did, I, you, the, I have relapsing remitting MS, which is exactly as it sounds. So you go forward and backwards. So you, you have a relapse and then you go into remission again. So you have a relapse and you go into remission and you have to have a certain amount of relapses for, you know, to get certain drugs, mm. you know, in a certain time. And yeah. a relapse technically is when you've got a new symptom that you've not had before. So you can't just have a relapse oh. of something that has yeah. happened before. It's got to be a new symptom. So there's lots of sort of like things that make it up you can also have what they call primary progressive ms so as i got really sick that first time mm -hmm. get really sick you never get better you just remain as sick as that and that's how it stays yes or you can have what they call secondary progressive which is you have relapsing remitting and then it moves to secondary progressive so you get really ill you have a relapse and then you never get better so it's sort of like it's yeah, yeah. you know you have these different sort of stages of it <clears throat> But at that time, obviously, I had no diagnosis, so I didn't know what was going on. Um, and eventually I got well enough to then start fighting my corner. And the doctors, I could say, look, this is, I'm really, really ill here. I have been ill. Anyway, so I kind of, I got that diagnosis and I was quite a lot better than I had been. So I could get up and I could walk and I could, I could move. But I had what would be a dropped foot now. So when I walked, I tripped over constantly yeah. on that foot. I was still so, so tired. I couldn't go back to work full time. I could only go back part time because I was just too, I was too exhausted yeah. to, uh, to work full time. And the exhaustion is not like tiredness. It's, I was, it's like being unplugged and it's like you're meant to run off the mains and somebody's forgotten to plug you in. So it's not even like you've got no, it's not even like your batteries aren't charged there aren't any batteries at all. Yeah. Like there's nothing there. I'm like, no, I can't move. I just sit here. I was like, no, nah, my arms aren't lifting. My legs aren't lifting. Like you just, it feels like you're moving through treacle and you just can't do it. Even with the best will in the world, yeah. you couldn't move. You're just so tired. And all you can do is just lie still and hopefully go to sleep because that does make things better generally. Um, so 
when I was diagnosed and brain scans and all the rest of it, um, so I had a drop leg. I still had very little feeling in my left-hand side of my body. Uh, my hands didn't work that well, but they did work quite well. They were okay, but my feet, my leg was not very good. I was still dragging and tripping over and I was very, very tired. And I remember asking the MS nurse who was sort of talking to me then, I said, well, look, when am I going to actually get better now? This is, I'm really bored with this and I've been ill for a really long time. <laughs> when am I going to get better? And she said, well, honestly, you're probably not. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, right. <laughs> okay. And I remember sitting there and I was just like, that is not happening. Mm. I don't know what is happening, but that is not my future. Mm. And I remember sitting there and just thinking, no, not happening. So then I became, after I'd grieved for the body that I had, mm. <laughs> used to have, but yeah. did normal things, after I'd grieved for the life I thought I was going to leave, lead, um, and you kind of, you, you get angry and you get denial and you get all the things that you get with normal death. Because um, it is a death of what you expected was going to happen with your life. Even if you didn't have any plans and ambitions, particularly, you still kind of just expect your body's mm. going to work and it's going to be there yeah. and it's going to um, support whatever future plans and ambitions you decide to have. <laughs> right. So um, I then decided that the only thing I wanted to do was travel and that I was going to do it whether I was... I was going to do it before I got so ill that I couldn't. Yep. Because I was better ish than I had been but I knew I could be so much more ill so because it was very very recent and it was now it's a very long time ago so it's sort of like I have to think I have to actually project myself back to that because it's such a long time since I've been that ill Mm. and so I started to live a life that would um just that if I got really ill that I'd be yes I'm okay I can do this you know like it would be all right and do whatever it was I wanted to do whilst I still could and I did. I spent, I think, six years travelling almost non-stop just because I could. And I rented my house out. because, As I said, I bought a house. So I rented my house out. I went to cheap countries <laughs> that, don't, you know, that I didn't need to spend very much money in. And I did that for as long as I could. And I worked and I volunteered and I just did whatever I could do so that when I could. And when I was tired, I just rested and it was mm. fine. It worked mm. really well. Travelling was really, really good because actually I got so much better mm. because... I didn't have to get up at nine o'clock every morning and go to work or eight o'clock or whatever time it was yeah, to go yeah. to work. I didn't have to sit at a desk or stand at a thing or do this and do that. It was actually totally life under my own under my own steam at exactly the speed that I needed it to be at at any given time. Mm. So I, I learnt that listening, and that was the first great lesson, was listening to my body was actually the biggest thing that I could do at any given time. So it would just listen and are you tired? go to sleep it's yeah. really simple yeah, yeah, you know yeah. but you know but people don't get that opportunity yeah. when we're you know it's very often we wake up in the morning and go oh my god I'm so tired <laughs> and like actually you know what I could do with a few more hours sleep it's like yeah. let's have a few more yeah. hours sleep now actually I can't do that because I have to get my daughter to school for the most yeah. part or whatever yeah. it is that I have to do <laughs> but what I can do is go back to bed yes and that's the key thing is that you know like within the constraints of a normal life there's always ways that you can find around it for me so you run just to go to the businesswoman mm. side. Mm. You run Memory Zoo, which is such a lovely Thank idea. You. Can you tell everybody about Memory Zoo and what and what was the trigger? Because like you're saying, it's the control over over your body, and that's really intricate work as well. So yeah, um, so 
over the years, I started to work out all the things that got me better. One of them was acupuncture, which changed my life um, from being constantly in pain on a lot of medication, which makes you feel a bit stupid as well. Mm. Um, and but you know you you either in pain or are you clever? <laughs> it's like well I'll be I'll be a bit thick actually is how I felt. But at least I'm not in pain. It was yeah. kind of there wasn't really much of an option because you can only deal with so much pain for so long. Mm. When I wanted to have my baby, um, I was on a lot of pain medication and it was inadvisable to get pregnant whilst on it. Right. So I had to find another way to do it. So I started having acupuncture and that was seven years ago now, and. Um, so I have acupuncture twice a month more regular and more regularly if I need it yeah. um, but generally speaking twice a month is fine um, and she that has pretty much eliminated most of my pain like the chronic non-stop pain that I was in before um, that's pretty much eliminated it a clean and healthy diet for the most part mm-hmm. you know kind of I don't eat much sugar um, I, low carbs that kind of stuff lots of vegetables lots of fruit and all the good things I do a good amount of exercise um, an amount that I can do at any given time which obviously changes depending yeah. on where what what's going on at any yeah. time and that's where the dog is so important because I got the dog seven he's seven now so I got the dog um, seven years ago and I was still really quite ill and that's the thing you've got to bear in mind as I go through those years yeah. until I started having acupuncture and the dog I was still really quite ill I was in a lot of pain mm. I could do a part time job but nothing more than that mm. because I was very very tired mm. and I couldn't have like I couldn't have done something in the day and something in the evening I would have to choose one or the other mm. like do I want to go out at night mm-hmm. or do I want to play netball in the day or whatever mm. it was mm. that I wanted to do I could not do both there wouldn't be enough energy so it was always just planning the planning what you could and couldn't do and that was fine I'd become very accustomed to doing it and I didn't really mind and I'd been fairly ill and but you know kind of on and off it was okay I had a couple of relapses not too bad memory zoo does fit into this sorry um, right. but the dog the dog is important and so I started to have acupuncture because I wanted to have a baby but I got the dog at the same time now when you get a puppy yeah they can only walk a small a certain amount a day they're only little they've got short short little legs and they can't walk very far I couldn't walk very far because I was very, I was not wildly unfit, mm-hmm. but very, very weak. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, right, I'm going to get a dog. I need a dog. I need to walk more. He's going to make me walk. Obviously he does because he's a dog. And when he's a baby, he doesn't walk very far. And because I was weak and tired, I couldn't walk very far either. So we were a really, really great team. But mm. as he got bigger and stronger, so did I. Yeah. So we got stronger at the same time. And he, you know, he's been my absolute companion. Like, cause I'm at home most of the time, mm. you know, and he... He, he he took that from, as he grew, my strength grew with him. And it was like one, like right together, combined with acupuncture, got that strength back. Anyway, so I had a job and I was working, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got pregnant, I was made redundant. But that's a whole other story. I had my baby, which was fine and lovely. And then when she was about a year old, I was like, actually, I feel, I feel okay. I reckon I can, I need to do something else. But I, I couldn't imagine getting a job mm. because there was no way that I could imagine keeping you know, doing your wifely things of running a house, which I'm utterly terrible at. I'm not a, I'm not a very good housewife at all. Um, but walking the dog, which I'm much more enthusiastic about, looking after a little girl and generally doing everything and also going out to work. So mm. I was like, right, I'm going to start my own business. And I started Memories by accident. So the idea was I was packing Felicity's clothes away. She was about a year old at this time, packing them into the attic. And I looked at them and I just thought, and I'm, I'm a good seamstress anyway, so it wasn't like I had to learn to sew. And I looked at them and I thought, hmm, what am I going to do with these? It's such a shame to pack them away. Mm. Like, it really was. And so many memories were held in them. And 
I'm a bit nostalgic and I was just sort of like, oh, that's right. So I started looking on Pinterest to see what people had done with baby clothes. Yeah. I thought somebody must have done something mm. with them. And so I was just looking for some ideas of something I could do. And I came across the memory bears, memory bear. I thought, hmm, that's a nice idea. And where people had taken baby grows and turned them, cut them up and turned them into a teddy bear. And I thought, right, I'm going to make one for Felicity because why not? I, mm. I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't working and I didn't really have, uh, I sort of thought I might like to start my own business, but I hadn't really got any massive ideas about what that was. Um, but I made this, I put a picture of it on Facebook and I immediately got people started to ask, can you make me one? I was like, oh, oh gosh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose so. And so I did, I started to make them for people and it just grew from there and it didn't even have a name to begin with I didn't have a website for two years and that was just because uh, I was really busy so I was just like uh, yes okay and then it, and it's I have always been busy right from the beginning I've sewn non-stop constantly it feels like sometimes um but uh, yeah so that's that's how it started and it fits in I work when I'm well and I don't when I'm not and that's kind of I'm very open with my customers about it so I'm sorry <laughs> this is not going to happen I've been ill you know yeah. what can you do it's yeah. like or my hands don't work at the moment yeah. which was you know kind of you know which is obviously much more mm. annoying but mostly my hands are fine it's mostly my feet which are less enthusiastic but <laughs> I like the way you just uh, describe that that your feet are less enthusiastic yeah <laughs> less enthusiastic <laughs> Um, so what is the best piece of advice anybody has ever given you? Bearing in mind, like your journey and the things that you've been through. Um, I really like, there's a piece, there's, um, I think it was said by one American president, which I can't remember which one it was. And obviously he didn't give it to me personally. (laughs) Um, He said, when you get to the end of your rope, just hang on tight. And I feel like I've just hung on tight, you know, and there's been times I've been like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I was like, you know what, just hang on tight. I can do this and I can get, and I can, and you always can. Like, Mm. there's not really any other option. There's always a workaround. You always Mm. find ways to make things work. And you just have to work around whatever your limitations are and find ways to make things work. And yeah, so I like that and I've remembered it. So is there any advice that you would give someone who has just just feels like maybe either they've hit a brick wall or they're feeling stuck or they want to do something, but they just don't know how to get started? What advice would you give someone? Um, I'm always very keen on my little phrase, resting is investing. <laughs> um, and I'm always, I'm always blathering this about. And people go, oh, that's such a good idea. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> resting is investing. And... I I think, you know what, sometimes we just work too hard mm. and we, we think too hard and we push too hard and we try too hard. Actually, sometimes we just need to stop. I don't mean particularly going to sleep, although sometimes going to sleep is really important, having some early nights and all the rest of that. I don't really mean that. It's go and gaze at the ocean, you know, stretch mm. your eyes across a mountain, go and have a swim, go and do whatever it is that rests and invest in yourself. Yeah. So recuperate yourself. Take yourself out for a meal on your own. It's my favourite thing to do. I love it. I love eating on my own. <laughs> Nobody disturbs me. I just eat. And, you know, and, and turn your phone off. Um, even though I love, I love my telephone and love social media and all the rest of it, but, you know, sometimes we just need a break. Mm. And stop striving quite so hard. You can't hear 
the call of the universe if it's you're filled with noise mm. that surrounds you constantly so mm. just give yourself a chance and that's different for everybody not everybody wants to sit and meditate or go for a swim or some people it's go and play hockey it doesn't matter yeah. what it is yeah, yeah. do whatever it is mm. that gives you a rest and just let the answer come to you so finally because mm. you are very inspirational the what you've done there are, there are people who achieve um their goals and they haven't got blockers in the way and mm. I mean you are you, you are someone that people I look up to Thank say you. well you know if you if you think your life is hard or you think you've had challenges then yeah. I look at you and I think well do you know what my life's pretty easy I haven't had to overcome MS and deal with MS and I look at my life and other people and I go my <laughs> life's easy <laughs> <laughs> so I for anybody who doesn't know, Katie has written a chapter in Mumpreneur on Fire 4. Yeah. Um, so you can hear more of her story. Mm. It's on Amazon to either download or buy whichever yeah. is your preference. You but can, how else? You can get it on Audible as well. So you can get the audiobook. <laughs> Which I have. Yeah. <laughs> have you listened to it yet? No. No. It's, <laughs> I'm about to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Excellent. But how Enjoy. else can people sort of get in touch with you because i know like you said you're on facebook as yeah. memory zoo which is your business yeah um so you'll find so you can find me on you can find me everywhere you can find me on facebook through memory zoo you can find me on instagram through memory zoo studios you can find me on twitter kj silverthorn i'm on linkedin as well um but at the moment so because memory zoo has changed since i started it so at the end of last year i decided that i would train other people up to sew so that's what I did last year. And so now I don't do very, I don't do any sewing actually now. I, I help other people to do the sewing in mm-hmm. the sense I train them and make sure that they feel confident and comfortable with what they're doing. And they are completely amazing. And I'm very, very proud of them. Um, so there's sort of half a dozen or so seamstresses that do various different things. I mostly do audio work now. So I've moved to doing audio books. So I'm spending all my time recording audio books. Um, and on Fire 4 was the first one that I did. And I recorded that at the beginning of this year because it takes a long time when you have mm. no idea what you're doing to get mm. things sorted. It took us a very long time to produce that one. But since then, I'm now on my uh, fourth audiobook now, I think. Was it my fifth? I don't know. Fourth or fifth. I'm, about to, I'm doing my fourth, about to do my fifth. Um, so most of my time is spent doing audio stuff. So uh, LinkedIn, is if you know, LinkedIn is mostly related to audio stuff as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me in all those places. Or katie at memoryzoo.co.uk. There you go. Lots of avenues. So thank you very much, Katie. Thank you. Thank you, Monty, for your for your company. Although I think he's probably asleep now. I think he's asleep now. <laughs> yeah, he's trotted about a bit and gone to sleep. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for listening.